You're a wizard, Harry. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. I can tell you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper in death. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but a great deal more to stand up to your friends. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and we're discussing chapter 14, Norbert, the Norwegian Ridgeback. You might recognize the voice and hopefully the laugh, (laughs) there it is, of our guest uh, this week. Uh, she did a fantastic episode Thank over you. the Potions Master. Uh, please check out our Twitter at Hogwarts Pod to not only find that episode, but also find the picture of the schedules, the school schedule that you made of McGonagall's. It's impressive. Elizabeth is back. Thank you for, for having me back. Uh, we're going to get right into it. We're going to get right into it with Norbert's uh, chapter here. Chapter 14. You're almost done with the book. Yeah, we're getting close. Uh, three more chapters after this one. It's kind of unbelievable that we're at that point. You know what but... else is getting close? Hmm. Their final exams, which Hermione is already starting to study for. Which just cracks me up because as much as I identify with Hermione, like so much so, because I was also like, don't break the rules and do well in school and get good grades. She is starting to study for these things 10 weeks in advance. That would still be third quarter. None of my kids have that much test anxiety. <laughs> I have one who has very, very bad test anxiety, and even she would not be studying weeks in advance. I feel that. like this is beyond anxiety. I mean, she said, like, if you don't pass finals, you don't get to go to your second year. And oh my God, what would happen? She can't fail. So, you know. Do we know of anybody that's actually failed out of, like, first or second year? I feel like they probably... Is there a reason we don't hear of Mandy Brocklehurst? (laughs) (laughs) That one mention? (laughs) Maybe that was it. She failed potions and it was just like, Uh... no. Kicked out of school. Snape couldn't handle it. (laughs) What would you have to do to flunk out of your first year of Hogwarts? What would you have to do? I feel like it'd have to be some extreme rule breaking. To get kicked out of Hogwarts. Kicked out is one thing. Flunk out is another. You never f- properly operate your wand? That could be the case. Yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes, her, Hermione is making, like, schedules for not only herself, but for Harry and Ron. Which is driving them insane. Which, understandably. <laughs> yeah. Although I would also kind of welcome the structure as long as I'm not having to actually do the structure. <laughs> I would like, appreciate oh, nice. it, but I would also be like, you are making me so anxious. I wouldn't right appreciate now. the nagging along with it. Give me gotcha. the schedule you make. That's fine. I'll cool. Don't force me to study. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, I mean they do keep her company in the library, so that's nice. Kind of putting on the facade of studying, even though it's really more just like looking around at what's happening around them. You know, though, I will say this. Ron does have his moments Mm -hmm. where he drops some major wisdom. Yeah. And everybody, we've talked a lot about Ron the last couple episodes. So uh, bear with us if you've been listening through. But Ron keeps getting a negative rap 
all the time, and he keeps being like the third wheel of the trio. Right. Um, Which isn't a fair thing to say about Ron. There's so much to Ron. But to his credit here, he does have his moments where he has some tidbits of wisdom that neither Harry or Hermione have. Right. Part of it is because he's grown up in a wizarding world, so he's a little bit more with the wizarding culture and just has a basic level of understanding of magic. Mm-hmm. He casually drops, oh yeah, didn't you know that was a result of the Warlocks Convention of 1709? <laughs> Everybody knows that. Everybody knows. You really, Ron? Everybody knows that? <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I will say, though, I mean, like, as much as Hagrid, God love him, that he loves every creature, big and small, specifically the big, though. The idea of trying to raise a dragon in a wooden hut, as if no one's going to notice, it has to have been just like a bucket list kind of dream thing, because all logic completely goes out the window. Yes, his heart kind of carried away his yes, his brain, his brain. At that, I mean, at that point. He, le- he neglects his job, he could get not only in trouble with like Dumbledore, but with the law. Because he has an illegal dragon. <laughs> like, what a risk to be taking. Yeah, and, you know, Ron, with his extensive knowledge of dragons, just very quickly drops, like, a couple of dragons that are unique to the UK area. Right. Because they get in that conversation of, like, which ones are local, which ones are not. Right. Are they only... Because Harry doesn't know. Like, are they only in Romania? <laughs> or are they other places? Which says something about this this traveler he met in the bar, that he had this Norwegian Ridgeback dragon egg. Say that three times fast. I know. It's a mouthful. It's hard. <laughs> it is. Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback. Yeah. I'm only going to do it once. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's a it's a little weird that you have something that's presumably very valuable mm-hmm. that you're willing to casually gamble away at a bar, which we can talk more pub. about in the spoiler. We section. We can talk more about it in the spoiler section. So that's shady, mm-hmm. but it's also playing to Hagrid's clear love of dragons, dragons and creatures in general. Hagrid would raise. A whole variety of questionable things <laughs> in and around his hut uh, that he has on the edge of the forest. True. But you'd hope that the forest itself would provide its own level of entertainment for Hagrid. I mean, but, he goes into it enough. Yeah, right. Yeah. But anyway. It doesn't stay secret for long. They get caught because Malfoy, of course, cannot keep his nose in his own business. He has to see what Harry is doing 24-7. And yeah. part of that is finding out that there's an illegal dragon on campus. It's definitely the thing that Malfoy would focus on. Right, because he wants to get him in trouble. He wants to get Harry in trouble. He wants to get Ron in trouble. He wants to get Hagrid in trouble. Sure. All three of them he has like this weird vendetta against. I wonder if Malfoy thought that he was just going to be the big shot of his class. Because the Malfoy name has such, like, you know... Prestige. Yes, thank you. Like, there's so much prestige to the Malfoy family. And he is Draco Malfoy, big man in charge with the money and, like, the knowledge and know-how of everything. And then here comes Harry Potter, who has no idea about any of this. And they're just, like, fawning over him. He just wanted to be big man on campus, let's face it. And now he's not, so now he's jealous. 
Well, he takes his chances to kind of put down anybody that has any kind of significant moment. Yes. <laughs> Which just makes me wonder, like, why does anybody like Malfoy at this point in time? He just has Like, what to... is the attraction there? It must just be like a charisma thing or something, or just that, or we know we have pow- he has power, he has money. Because there's He's... people that liked the character of Draco Malfoy before Tom Felton ever played him. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton more Malfoy fans <laughs> after Tom Felton played I mean, the character. How can you not? That's fair. <laughs> Tom Felton's a wonderful human being and, and a great actor. And That's attractive. great and attractive. Okay, <laughs> that's fine, but. <laughs> There were fans of Draco Malfoy's before he ever right. touched the role. So, so right now he's very much snotty little 11-year-old. Harry's dealt with a lot. Like, Dudley is not exactly... We haven't mentioned Dudley in a while, actually, but... Oh, Dudley Dursley. How many people have you hit with your stick at this point? Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> we're getting off track. We're getting way off track. <laughs> so Malfoy knows. Therefore, we have to send the dragon away. And Solution magically appears... Not yeah. so magically. Charlie Weasley. By the way, right. they say, uh, I think it was in the, the library that they're talking about, because Hagrid comes into the library. Yeah, because he's looking up how to raise a dragon. Right. And then runs into them. He could watch the movie How to Train a Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> he's such an interesting crossover. Um, but, no, it's, uh, yeah, so he just runs into the trio in this cavernous library. Right. Looking very suspicious. <laughs> as, as Hagrid does best. And He's not good at just hiding information. I, I think you have in your notes, Ron and Harry are such idiots, quote unquote. <laughs> because they're talking about things so openly yes. in a public place. Which is so clearly a mystery and a secret. Like, you can't just be like, oh yeah, we know about the Philosopher's Stone, the Sorcerer's Stone in this book, you know, like, we just found out about that ages ago. The stone. Tell us more about the stone. It's like, oh my god, child, you are going to get me fired yeah. because you're talking about this super secret stuff in public. They know it's a secret. They know it got stolen from Gringotts. They know it's being guarded by guess, a three-headed dog. They I, know that no one would openly talk about it, but they're just like, yeah, you know, now we know. <laughs> Hermione, I, of course, is smart enough to not say anything. Well, see, no, I think it's a case of them being um, what I like to call, quote-unquote, first-year dumb. <laughs> because we know things they're We're in the know they're smart kids for 11 year old kids they're brilliant yes they're just first years they're 11 year old kids they have their own bubble of existence and they have zero concept of how the world works or how right. dangerous half of this stuff right. really is right and they have no concept of it <laughs> it's like first year dumb hagrid it's- lucked out completely that no one else really overheard about this time. No. So he says, and I love this part about the book too, and I double checked because we've talked about time jumps, right? Right. Hagrid's like, okay, well, just see me later in the at my hut and I'll go over it or I'll answer any questions, right? Mm-hmm. Literally a paragraph later or whatever it is in the book, it says, an hour later we showed up at the... <laughs> I'm like, an hour? That's not later! That's still, like, right now, basically. They could have just been like, okay, we're going to follow you to your hut right now. Tell us about this. But they're burning with curiosity. They need to know. Wouldn't you want to know? An hour later? That's aggressive. (laughs) That's borderline stalking. That's enough time to go put your stuff back in your dorm and then come back (laughs) That's literally what they did. They put their books down. (laughs) 
And they've like hauled over to the, <laughs> anyway, whatever. But that's where Malfoy catches them is he sees them in the window. Right. Because um, he had to follow them. Yeah. Yeah. So the only solution is let's mail Charlie the dragon. Which major, major, major props to Charlie for one, getting this letter and just being like, yeah, okay, we can do that. And then to his friends who haven't even met Ron going halfway across like the country to go get this illegal baby dragon and just take it at midnight. They broom traveled there, yeah, assuming. This is like this but, is super sketchy deal that they're doing. This is like black market deal kind of a thing. It is. It's smuggling. <laughs> yeah. You're literally committing yeah. a crime in real world. And they're just like the happiest little bunch. <laughs> they love dragons that much. Also, I think it's funny when like Malfoy gets the letter. He like you know gets it in the book that he takes from from Ron, and they're like, "Oh, it's too late to send Charlie another owl. We have to stick with this plan." It's like in today's world, they could text, they could call, and it would be solved in five seconds. This is such a wizard <laughs> wizarding world problem because they rely on owls. This series takes place in 1992, I believe, is this they still year. They could have called. Right. <laughs> that technology is available to them at this point in time. Uh, just not in the wizard. World. Yeah. One thing that I did catch this time that I've had questions about before, but I've never really thought as much about, the invisibility cloak. How big is the invisibility cloak? Versus how small. Because when Harry wears it, it completely covers him. But it's not like he's tripping over the fabric of the cloak. Yet, at the same time, sometimes the three of them are hiding under it. Sometimes it's the two of them. But this time, they have a crate with a dragon who is growing rapidly. And it covers all of them. Well, it covers... It covers Three of people. them, including the dragon. Because Ron wasn't there for that. Right, but I'm saying in general, like sometimes it's the three of them under it. This time it was two plus a crate. Yeah. And all of it is covered? Like how? My answer to that, because I did have that thought, was they're 11 years old. They're small children. Yeah, but even then. You never went to the Museum of Science and Industry exhibit, right? That it was here in Chicago for the movies? No. And I know this is movies, and I know that's real life. <laughs> but, my goodness. They're tiny. They were tiny actors. It should be able to hide, like, two children. The crate, I will give you, is a little <laughs> bit more awkward. What about three children? You think even Still, then? Even with Ron being awkwardly Was tall James for his age? Was James also 6'4"? Uh, probably not that tall, <laughs> no. Okay, so my answer to that is... They're children. Mm-hmm. And they're not only children, they're 11-year-old children. So if you have adults being able to fit under the cloak, specifically at least one adult male, you figure a couple of children can fit under. Now, to your point, <laughs> the crate with the dragon presents a problem. Because in this chapter, he literally... Go like, we have a whole cycle for Norbert in this chapter. We have... I'm going from literally an egg mm -hmm. to a dragon that's big enough to rattle the windows by hitting the walls with his tail. And rip off the heads of teddy bears. Yes. <laughs> so. So he's large. I mean, not necessarily 
I would say probably about the size of a bigger dog, right? Yeah. So you're putting that into a crate. Mm-hmm. My issue is, I guess, not even with the the size of the crate. Mm-hmm. It's regardless of you being under an invisibility cloak. Oh, the noise? Yeah. <laughs> How are you keeping this thing quiet? That's my issue. Is it not like spitting out sparks, roaring, growling, whatever dragons do, clawing <laughs> I, at the crate? I was imagining my cat ripping when I the, take her to the teddy the bear and like she's crying because she's in her crate. Like, do dragons cry because they're mucked up in crates? The the cloak does nothing for sound. <laughs> like, how is this dragon that quiet the entire time they're going all through the castle up to the tallest tower? That's a good question. That was the most unbelievable part of the whole <laughs> thing for me. I get, I get the, the crate would have to be significantly large. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it's a dragon and Hermione and Harry being their 11-year-old selves can carry said crate quietly underneath a cloak all the way to the astronomy tower. Mm-hmm. Also, really stretching the bounds of my realm of disbelief of like, okay, I'm just going to give them that. <laughs> but it's really stretching that for me. I could see that. But especially the sound. I, there's no way that thing is quiet yeah. for that entire journey. Cause, especially because it's a baby. It's You're a baby telling me, like, dragon. Peeves never heard a thing. You're telling well, Peeves, me, like, Mrs. Norris Peeves, never heard a thing. Peeves was playing tennis against the wall. <laughs> I love the little comments about what Peeves does. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Peeves, so he was playing tennis. <laughs> yes, but it's, yeah, so that's my interesting part about the whole under-the-cloak thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the group that comes to pick him up, yeah, they're Charlie's friends, um, and I'm realizing more and more why I like Charlie more than Bill, because Anna has given me a bunch you of problems about this. Charlie was the oldest, and he's not. Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> but the reason why Charlie's so prominent in my mind all the time is because we hear very lit of, little of Bill. Mm-hmm. We hear a lot about Charlie in this first book. He's yeah. mentioned a significant amount. Yeah. Especially when he's specifically interacting with our main characters. I think that's why well, Charlie he wasn't just... wasn't there. Just his friends. Yeah, but he's corresponding with them directly. True. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it's... Plus, I think what he does is really freaking cool. <laughs> so just the combination of those two things just has made Charlie, like, a special place. Special yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Not... <laughs> That he's a little because he has to be brawny and 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 uh, you know yeah deals with dragons on yeah. a daily basis. So um, and I like his nonchalantness uh, nonchalantness in the letter of just like yeah I'll take it yeah he's even it's like no problem thanks for the letter yeah I can the do letter that. that's asking me to go to like something illegal yeah something I appreciate that, it. no I I got you <laughs> uh, let me just send a couple of buddies of mine to go pick it up and and we'll get this done. <laughs> Uh, it's super illegal, by the way, so be very careful. Yep. But yeah, I like how they come with their, their brooms and they have a specific harness that they'll hold the crate with mm-hmm. uh, as they take him to Romania? I guess, yeah. Raise, foster the dragon. Or at least take him to a, a more safe location so that they can, whatever, transport a little bit more efficiently to Romania. <laughs> yeah, but right before that scene... Um, Draco ends up getting caught by McGonagall. Which you gotta think about Draco's logic. 
Granted, it is 11-year-old logic again, which is not very developed First year point. dumb. <laughs> right, like you said. But the whole, I'm going to catch them, and they're going to get in trouble. This time, like, at least previously with the duel in the library, he, or sorry, the awards room, um, like, he alerted Filch about it. There was an adult who knew. This time, it's like he didn't tell Snape. He didn't tell McGonagall. He was just like, I'm going to catch them in the act, and then they're going to get in trouble. No, child, you're also out of bounds. You also get in trouble. That's how this works. Do you know? Do you wonder why the astronomy tower is out of bounds except for classes? Isn't that kind of weird? Is it just because it's the highest tower that then presents a danger in itself? Or I, I would assume it's an open tower because of astronomy. Right. Fear of jumping off. Versus like the <laughs> Ravenclaw and Gryffindor towers, which are closed off common rooms. I wonder if it's like the... It's the tallest, right? Mm-hmm. The tallest tower. It was just an interesting detail of like, yeah. this is out of bounds outside of classes. Maybe they're afraid of people stealing the telescopes. Maybe. <laughs> it was just an interesting detail that I caught. But yeah. um, they also get in trouble at the end of the chapter, though, which kind of cracks me up because the invisibility cloak is like the jewel of magical items. It is priceless, and they just forget it on the floor. Well, especially for Harry, because it's... It's his father's. It's said to be his father's, and you think he would take that specifically close to the heart. Right. The only possible, like, defense I can give them is they just got rid of a dragon, which was stressing them out hardcore. It went shockingly well. Yeah, it went well. They didn't get in trouble somehow. So it's just a sigh of relief. We can go back to our dorm and, and just sleep. But I left it on the floor. Yeah, they get caught. And, of course, they go right to, like, oh, we're being expelled, right? Like, right. we're done. Right. Uh, which is kind of ridiculous for just being out later than you should. That's kind of a ridiculous thing to jump to. Well, that's where your brain goes. Sure. I'm in trouble. Oh, God. So I guess we've talked about enough of what we possibly can with the non-spoilers. So we will go ahead and stop it here, and then we'll be right back and discuss the spoilers Woo. for Chapter 14. Try in the dungeon! Turn around in the dungeon! All right, so we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 14. I will not say the name again, because I will start tongue-twisting myself <laughs> and have to do some major <laughs> editing. So, um, we're actually going to start the spoiler section here, since this is Elizabeth's first time on uh, for quite a few chapters. Going to let her kind of sink in, give some of her thoughts on some of the previous episodes, because she <laughs> listens to all of them. So I'm thoroughly enjoying how... Many of your episodes now include a, I need to do a rebuttal to a previous thing that was said. It's because... It's been cracking me up as I listen to it. All of you give me all of your thoughts and like, I need to respond to this. I need to respond to that. Okay. This is now your opportunity. It makes me laugh. Um, Check out our Twitter, by the way, at Hogwarts a pod, because specifically Elizabeth and Anna are very vocal on our Twitter. I do try to have at least one comment for every episode, but no, one thing, I mean, for the most part, like, I'm fine with other people's opinions, whatever, even if I don't really agree. I swear, but no, the one thing that when I was listening, oh, it made me rage, 
Um, it was from your episode with Molly, the very first one that she did. Coming at me on this one? Ooh. Yes and no. Okay. Okay, so this wasn't a anything against what Molly said or anything against you specifically. You guys were talking about the mirror. And in the movie, which I haven't seen for good reason, apparently. Um, You're referring to the mirror of Erised in Crimes of Grindelwald, the movie. Yes. Fantastic piece in the Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. You said that when Dumbledore looks in the mirror, the movie has him seeing Grindelwald, correct? Correct. I hate that. I hate that so much. That cannot possibly be what he sees. And I feel like there's so much evidence in the books that indicate he does not see Grindelwald. He sees something completely different. Well, hit me. What does he see? I think he sees his family. Whole and sound and sane and just like the way it was prior to Grindelwald, prior to everything that happened with his sister. And that's why he has so much empathy for Harry when he sees his family because he knows the pain that Harry has gone through and the evil that has affected his family and the death and how he will never, ever, ever get to see his family whole again, same way Dumbledore can't. And he at least has the wisdom of age and he's been dealing with the grief and the guilt for all these years to know that the thing he wants above all else is to go back to the way that it was. And I think in um, book six, when they're in the cave and he's drinking the potion, which it doesn't clearly indicate what the potion is, but I personally, I think it's like you lived through your own personal hell. I think his personal hell was, was dealing with like watching his sister die and seeing how it tore apart his family. So when Harry later talks to his brother, you know, in, in the hogshead and he's just like, you know, it destroyed your brother. I think all the evidence shows it wasn't Grindelwald he saw in that mirror. It was his family. I completely disagree with you. Really? Yes. Ooh, okay. and, and here's why. We'll stick with the book stuff. He obviously has a relationship with Grindelwald. Right. A deeper, emotional, intellectual, larger relationship. They're in love. They're in love. Um, a lot of similar ideologies when they were younger, mm-hmm. th- things like that. Much deeper than just your, like, hey, I kind of like you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So he does have a deep emotional intellectual bond with this individual, mm-hmm. which could indicate that he could see him in the mirror, right? That's that. To your specific point about the family, <laughs> here's how I'll come at that from a book perspective is we meet Aberforth. Right. His brother. Right. Yes. Aberforth is super salty about Albus's treatment of his own family. He never right. thought and I get I get your I point mean, about Dumbledore regret. Said, like, you know, we're amicable, but it took us several years to get to that point. And your point of regret is valid, but if he's regretting a familial relationship, you think he would have tried to at least reach out to the only living member of his family that we know of, Secrets of Dumbledore, to come out later. Uh, don't even... Well, I know, I know, and I'll <laughs> give you that. I'll give you that. But to this point, all we know of is Aberforth is his only living relative. You think he would have made an effort to firm up that relationship 
Instead, he seems to have shunned it to the side as much as he could. Because mm. Everforth is very salt. He does not like Albus. My counter to that is that sometimes relationships, especially among siblings, can change so deeply that it is hard for people to come back from. So the fact that they have achieved like an amicable, we won't talk to each other all that much, but like, I know you're there. I know like you're my blood relative, that kind of thing. The mirror shows your deepest, most desperate desires. Which I think he would want what he once had with his family. At the best, I will give you Ariana. He did say too that he respected Aberforth more than himself. Because he was like, he, like, I'm, yeah, sure, I'm the genius, but he was the one who knew that family. Trying to hold the family together? Yeah, who, yeah. Who, who knew that family was so important and, and valuable. And here I was chasing awards and dreams and fame, and it took this, this horrible moment to have me crashing down back to reality. My brother was smart enough to realize that from the get-go. I would say that I think what Dumbledore wants to see in the mirror mm -hmm. is what you are presenting. I think what he actually sees is what he doesn't want to admit to himself is that he's that much fallen for, for Grindelwald, for Grindelwald and that he, he might not want to, he knows it's a problem and it's not good and it's not where he needs to have his priorities or his focus. Mm -hmm. It should be on Aberforth and, Ariana and his family it's not nor has it ever really been and he knows that's a problem and he can he's wise enough to recognize like that's a flaw that's a fault of mine but it doesn't show you what you want to see it shows you what it shows your deepest darkest desire yeah your deepest most desperate which I still think is family I'd have to disagree Tell us what you think. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, she has not seen the Fantastic Beast movies at all. I probably won't. And she's seen at least all of the original movies when they came at least out. once. When right? they came out. I saw the first one three times and I was not happy about that. But okay. <laughs> I saw everything at least once. If yes. we can uh, make it happen, maybe we can get a reaction of the movies again and get her uh, get her <laughs> live action thoughts oh, since she hasn't seen them in a God. while. It's been a while. Uh, I can't, I really want your reactions to Crimes of Grindelwald because me, Anna, and Molly, all three of us, do not like that movie. <laughs> so if we don't like it, I can only imagine. Oh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yes, we just had a debate, uh, a debate where we disagreed uh, quite quite heartily, and we used. Good book examples, I think. I think so. I think we did a good job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tell us, tell us what you think, or if you think it's something completely different that he sees in the mirror. Woolen socks. <laughs> I, hey, I think what Molly and I discussed was really dead on with Grindelwald holding woolen socks. Oh, that my God. Was it. That was it. I think we were dead on. I think he's just lying about the woolen socks thing. It's there. It's like a Tinder profile. <laughs> Do you swipe right or left on the mirror? <laughs> uh, anyway, way off track. Anyway, 
let's shift to this chapter. Yeah, the actual spoilers. And from uh, this the, the yes, the spoilers from chapter fourteen. Um, I wanted to start out with we get a taste of Harry shifting in and out of popularity for the first time very quickly too. It goes Sudden. from love to just ugh. Yeah, Harry Potter. Loser of 150 house points. Technically yeah. 50 for him, but in general, 150. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting shift that he experiences a lot through his time at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And he just has peaks and valleys of, mm-hmm. you're the best. You are the worst. You're right. the absolute worst. Right. And there's no middle for him. which no, I think really isn't. He's always a source of gossip. For the whole school. Oh, for, well, yeah. <laughs> but he knew that well before he ever knew that. I if guess that makes is, sense. This is like the one place where the training with the Dursleys comes into comes into play. You can just shrug off insults yeah, and negative like, I've comments. I've been insulted my entire life. It's whatever. Still sucks, but, you know. To his credit, I don't know that he gets through it without Ron and Hermione. Yeah. Uh, if well, he I mean, that's why, like, in the future, out- like... Like, when it's a Triwizard Tournament, how it's so hard for him without Ron. Yeah. It's it's an interesting journey he goes on and kind of displays a lot of his emotional states throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, and some fans would criticize some of those emotional states. <laughs> and some, you know, would not. Are um, you referring to when he gets super emo? Yes. I I'm love it. When he gets... <laughs> but... Yeah, it's just, this is kind of where it starts for the first time. He's yeah. experiencing a lot of backlash. Um, and it's all stemming from, uh, why are you really volunteering to do an illegal activity, no matter which world you're in, <laughs> muggle or wizarding, where... It's to help out his friend. I get it. His but, first wizarding whew. friend. You're who has lost his mind for a, to raise a dragon. You're volunteering for a... Uh, forget the legality of it. Mm-hmm. It's a You're transporting a dragon. It's not a safe thing. <laughs> uh, Hagrid is half-giant. He can deal with it. Yeah. It laid up Ron in the... In, in the hospital wing. In the hospital wing <laughs> for a... I'm assuming that's a, a small bite. Yeah. That has gotten Infected. way worse. Yes. So, it's a, and Harry continues to do this over and over and over again, putting himself in harm's way, aggressively dangerous situations, <laughs> especially when you consider his age. He's a Gryffindor. <sighs> Speaking of dragons, though, that was what I had down with my spoiler section. Um, you know me, I love dragons. I mean, how much of Game of Thrones was just me, like geeking out over the dragon. Are you about to call Hagrid the mother of dragons? <laughs> Hagrid and Daenerys are the same? What? Hot they takes. have the same love. Hot takes. But I just, I love having the dragons in the, the whole mummy series. Of dragons. The mummies of dragons. Um, and I also love, like, the growth that we see, because, I mean, in this book, like you said, the dragon is an egg, and it's a baby dragon. And then in Goblet of Fire... Suddenly we have mother dragons and you get to see full grown dragons with attitude and, and that protection um, that, you know, mothers have. And so there, there's a rage to them that 
you don't see with the baby. And then my favorite dragon in the Deathly Hallows, the old one who is blind and has been imprisoned in Gringotts and, and chained up and getting to see that dragon escape to freedom as well as help the trio escape from death is just such a satisfying moment for me. It's just my favorite. I love it. So I love getting to see the different stages of dragons throughout the whole series. Yeah, they, they actually come back to it pretty often for... It's kind of surprising, actually. How, yeah, like it's how not they overdone, to the dragon. but it's still... Like, yeah. It's, the presence is still felt, which is pretty cool. And then the other thing I had was Quirrell giving Hagrid the dragon egg in Hogshead in order to get from him information of how to calm down Fluffy. It is such a far-flung scheme to get this information. Like, you didn't even need the dragon egg. Like, I know his thought process was, okay, if I give him the dragon egg, then I can get out of him that he takes care of bigger monsters, and then we can talk about Fluffy and stuff. It's like, all you gotta do is get him drunk and then talk about the creatures in the Forbidden Forest. There's literally no reason to have the dragon egg. Uh, it's a sweetener to the pot. Um, An unnecessary one. (laughs) I mean, he had to go out of his way to go get that egg. Purposely to tempt Hagrid into maybe revealing the information about Fluffy. For either, I assume it's straight up Quirrell at this point, right? Right, because he's got his cloak on. Yeah. He's got his cloak and he's in the bar and, and remember Harry was like, it's weird that he didn't. I mean, later he says it's weird that he didn't see his face. And, then, you know, in book five, it's, oh, well, that's the common practice in the hogshead. You don't show your face when you're drinking somehow. But, yeah, that he, that he, you know, knew, okay, if I can get this egg, then I can get Hagrid drunk. Then he can be vulnerable. And he can tell me how to get past Fluffy. And then I can go and I can get the stone. It's like, well, that was so overly complicated. Voldy does have a history of playing Hagrid. yeah. Like, he knows which strings to pull on that. Which then, talk about the creatures in the... I mean, talk about Aragog. He knows about him. Uh, He probably doesn't know to the extent that Aragog is now. Yeah, but he still knows, like, I mean, Chamber of Secrets, big, well, he big scary monsters. Yeah. Like, he is aware that that Hagrid has a history with big monsters. So And that's why you give him try- an egg. <laughs> it just seems like such a, like... Like, uh, this has to work, and then this has to work in order for this to work. And if any of those steps go wrong, you don't get your I think he's pretty sure it'll work. It, it's, I think he's it's just pretty like it's certain perfectly, it'll work. Like it ha- it's just so coincidental. Like, everything has to work out right. But it is funny to think of, of Quirrell just sneaking to the bar and just being like, all right, Hagrid, I hope this works. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think they're pretty certain on the strategy there. Just... Bribe him, get him a little drunk. You'll get the answer you want. And honestly, I don't think a dragon's egg. I, I we see it obviously in the Triwizard Tournament how difficult that is to steal one. Yeah, but those are f- students still. Even the even Crumb, Diggory, and Floor are all students still. As right. talented and as brilliant as they all are, students. We're talking about an accomplished Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. And Do you think literally the Dark Lord. I don't know. So. I don't know if he was the one who actually went to get the egg, though. I feel like he went out to the black market, could have, and just was like, "Hey, got got any eggs?" 
Well, if it's a if it's truly a Norwegian Ridgeback, mm-hmm. we know that Quirrell was in Eastern Europe. We also know he has been in. Um, he's probably gone towards Nocturne Alley. Think they got any dragon eggs in there? They could. <laughs> but obviously, if it's based out of Norway, he would have had to go. Right. North. You would assume. That's a lot of planning. Given the name. That's that's... a lot, a lot of planning ahead. That's even before the stone's been stolen from Gringotts. Uh, For Voldy, I don't think it's really any kind of. Hey, pick up this egg just in case. I don't think it's a a real challenge for him to be like, yeah, we, ah, that's too hard. I don't think so. You really think like Voldy at some point is going, no, that's a little difficult. Let's go the easier (laughs) route. Like he's like, no, that's, that's, that's easy for him. It still just strikes me as like. Such a a plan that requires a lot of hope that everything goes right in order to get the little piece of information that you need. Could have just gotten him drunk. Or you could have just pestered him with questions like (laughs) Harry, Ron, and Hermione. (laughs) Which, like, again, first year dumb. It's like, and I get Hagrid's not a teacher at this point. Mm -hmm. He's still a staff member. The guts you have to have. <laughs> I love how he's like, ask. I have no idea how you guys know all this stuff. Like, how do you even know about Fluffy? Beats me. <laughs> <laughs> like, the sheer gall that these students have mm-hmm. to just blatantly just come out with some of that information or some of those questions mm-hmm. is shocking. Which, yeah. it shocks Hagrid all the time. It's like, what... Why are you even asking me this? And I think in the shock, he just reveals so much information. I mean, like, even when he was saying yeah. who the protectors of the stones are, I mean, I'm sure Hermione was thinking about it, of just like, okay, well, Professor Sprout probably has some kind of plant thing, and, you know, McGonagall probably transfigured something. What? We don't know yet. But they they can kind of start thinking about what they're going to run into. And they know how many obstacles they have to face, which is also kind of valuable information. It's valuable information, and it's valuable information knowing who set it up, even though it's very obvious how they set it up. I mean, right. each of the heads of house. Plus a few extras. Plus Quirrell, who's the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, and Dumbledore yeah. himself. Which, yeah. honestly, is the only one you need, because it's darn near <laughs> impossible to beat his. Like, why? Would Slow you... him down. It's a book we know. <laughs> we know you have to set this up. Whatever. Anyway, we're going to stop here because we're running long. But Elizabeth will be back for chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest, which is a massive chapter. I say that a lot, too, on these podcasts. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) I'm not wrong at all. Uh, It's a big chapter. So come back and listen for that one. Uh, For me, um, you can find me at my Twitter, at Daniel underscore Allen 44. Find the Hogwarts, a pod. podcast twitter account and for elizabeth see you next week i am dan and thank you and we'll catch you on the next one (laughs) thank you for listening to hogwarts a podcast if you like what you've heard please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on twitter and instagram at hogwarts a pod 